So last week we talked about the qualifications of a deacon, what a deacon ought to look like, right? Now we're in the part of the verse where Paul talks about, strangely, the wives of deacons. It's kind of weird that Paul, like, when he talks about elder qualification, deacon qualification, and suddenly in verse 11, he talks about deacons' wives. Why, the, why is he talking about the deacons' wives? And surprisingly, this verse 11 is the justification that many churches, including us, use to support the, the theology that women can serve as deacons. Okay? So it's going to get exciting later on, but this is, you've got to put your thinking caps on type of, type of portion of the lecture. I'm giving you the boring stuff, right? Eat your vegetables first so you can eat dessert, right? So this is the kind of a little bit, you know, technical part of the sermon. So the question is, does verse 11 of 1 Timothy 3 support women deacon leaders of the church? And I say yes. A couple of reasons. Verse 11, it says, let's shoot up verse 11 for me. It says their wives, right? This is, what, this is the ESV. This is what the ESV says. But if you look at the original Greek, Paul, the word Paul uses as wives here can be translated as woman. So the Greek word that he uses here is, is gynakos, which is where we get gynecology from. Right? Gynakos is the word to use to describe woman. So Paul doesn't use the word wives here. He uses the, he uses the word woman. That's why if you look at the NIV or the NASB, they, they, use, they use the word woman rather than wives. Not only that, when you look at the Greek, the possessive pronoun there is not there. Get it? There is not there in Greek. So if you look at Greek, Paul starts at verse 11 saying, gynakos. It doesn't say their wives. It says woman, gynakos. So it's talking about women. Okay? And then he is, and he lists, you know, so he talks about women. So the argument can be made. The, the fact that he talks about women here, not specifically deacons' wives, right, I think supports the notion that he is talking about female deacons in the church. I'm a lawyer, so I can argue both sides. And I'm not going to do that for you because that's just going to be really boring, Right? But there are other sides that the other arguments make because the King James Version, for some people, King James is the only version. The King James Version and the ESV says their wives. And there's a reason why they, why, why they believe that's what their wives is. You're bored, bored already, right? So, but I think, so an argument can be made that, you know, for both sides, using just this one word, like wives here. But if you look at the other, if you look at the flow of the arguments in, in verses 11 and 12, you can also kind of see that Paul's talking about women deacons. For example, in verse 11, it says, their wives likewise must be dignified. The word likewise Paul uses as a separation between categories. For example, in verses 1 through 8, Paul talks about the qualifications of the elders, right, pastors, and in verse 9, he says, likewise deacons. 
So he's talking about elders, and he says, likewise, deacons. So he's separating the elders from the deacons in the description of the category. Are you with me so far? Are you bored yet? Yeah, you are, right? Similarly, in verse 11, he's saying, likewise, wives, women. So Paul uses the word likewise to separate different categories of leadership in the church. So the argument can be made, because Paul uses the word likewise in verse 11, He's talking about a separate category of leaders of the church, which are women. Right? You should record the sermon and send it to my HR. I'm very pro-woman today. Right? Yay. Happy International Women's Month, ladies. Right? Also, another reason why we think Paul's talking about women here, women deacons here, is because when you look at verses 1 through 8, when Paul talks about the qualification of the elder, which are the chief shepherds of the church, Paul doesn't talk about elders' wives, right? We're all equal in the sight of God, that's true, but in terms of the hierarchy of the church, elders are the chief shepherds of the church. And it's strange that Paul doesn't talk about the qualification of the elder wives, just the qualification of the deacon wives. It's weird, right? So that's why people believe that, once again, Paul's talking about Women deacons in verse 11. Also, I did a lot of research. Are you proud of me? Romans chapter 16, right? Paul lists all the people that, that support him in the ministry, many people that support him through the ministry in Romans chapter 16. One of the first people that he mentions, I think the first person that he mentions, is Phoebe. Right? Phoebe is listed as deacon in Romans chapter 16, verse 1. The word deacon can mean servant or the office of a deacon. So we don't really know exactly whether Phoebe was a leader of the church or not. But if you look at the fuller context of Phoebe's life, she served as a major leader, major deacon of the church. In fact, some say she's the one who carried the epistles of Paul's letter to the Romans to the Christians living in Rome. Right? So all these Textual analysis and circumstantial evidence supports the idea that verse 11, Paul is talking about women deacon leaders of the church. Are you with me so far? Yeah? Trust me, you don't want me to go to argue for the other side right now. Because that's going to confuse you more. If you have any questions about the other side, let me know. I will go through detail with you. So that's why we think in verses 11, Paul's talking about women deacons. And if you're a woman deacon of our, of our church, any woman, any woman leader of the church, Paul says, like male deacons, you also are called to live a dignified, non-slanderous, sober-minded, faithful life. Dignified means a person who is seeking after godliness both in their inner life and their relationship with other people. Right? A, a dignified person is a person who strives to live like Christ, both internally and externally. And if you're a female deacon of the church, if you want to, if you're a quali- if you, in order to be qualified as a female leader of the church, this is a type of life that you need to live. Guys, remember this, because a year, year from now, you're going to do another deacon nomination thing. 
And this is a sermon that you must remember when you consider who to nominate for deacon. A person who's living a life of dignified, non-slanderous, which means heavy-tongued, right? Faithful, sober-minded, clear-thinking women. Right, that's the technical part, portion of our sermon. If you disagree, let's pass it with you know, right? So that's, that's what it is. But let's go back to the reality of it. So we support the idea that females can be deacons. But let's, let me give it to you real, real here. Being a deacon, being a servant leader of the church, it's not easy. Please don't, please forget about what, forget about what, I, what I'm just going to say. If you're going to be nominated for deacon in next year, next year, next year when I talk about deacons, I'll say it's great. But now let's be real, real here. Being deacon is not a pleasant thing to do. It's not all ponies and puppy dogs and balloons, right? You know, to be honest with you, it's, a, it's an obligation on top of your other obligations, right? You guys work, all of you work, right? Happy International Women's Month, right? All of you work, and all, the, all of you guys work, why, why isn't there International Men's Month, though? Then you will say, every day, is, every month is International Men's Month. All right, fair point. We all work. And we all have young kids who are super duper demanding. Oh, maron. The navigation of being a father of a teenage girl. Holy moly. And, then, so on to, and, on, and my wife needs attention, Right? Like, and I'm glad to be there for her. It's a lot of work. And deacons were asking you to do other responsibilities on top of what you're already doing. It's hard. And is it rewarding? One year from now, I'll say it's rewarding. But sometimes it doesn't seem to be that rewarding. Why? Because when you serve, let's be real here, people don't usually, don't, you don't see the fruits of your labor. This is the SP's embraced way. Deacons email you, we email you, everyone, and no one responds. He says the same person. June responds. Man, if, if June was ever to leave our church, we're going to be very sad because no one responds to our email. It's, and it's like, it's like, turn, 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 come on, guys, let's go. And people don't want to follow because they're all so busy. We're all so busy. And let's be real. Forget about this a year from now, but let's be real. Sometimes you receive criticism. We're Asian, most of us are Asian, so we're really passive aggressive. We don't criticize people to our faces, but you know. On your drive back home, in your bedroom at night, when you are looking for topics of conversation, oftentimes the common topic of conversation is people, leaders of the church, what are they doing? I don't like the way he does it. Pastor Jay, why is his sermon so long? My ears are burning every Sunday. Maybe I'm just paranoid. It's not easy. And on top of that, 
right? You look at other Christians, and they seem to be doing well just coming to church once a week. Their marriages seem to be together. Their kids seem to be healthy, healthy, right? They're these, you know, people come to church once on Sunday, and they, and they seem to be doing well. And the temptation is, why can I be like them? Why do I have to bother serving the church? Why, oh, why do I have to be like them? Other people, other Christians are just fine coming to church once a week. Give your deacon a hug today, y'all. Why do you do it? If this was the end of the sermon, no one would, who would ever want to be a deacon? But the motive for our service, Paul talks about in verses 13, verses 13. Verse 12, like Paul talks about deacons, male deacons, should be husband of, husband of one wife. We talked about what it means to be husband of one wife when we talked about the elder series. So verse 12, I'm not going to go into detail because if you want to know what verse 12 means, just listen to the sermon when I covered husband's of one wife when I was talking about the elders, right? So let's go to verse 13. What is the motive? What is the encouragement that Paul gives to the deacons for their continual service? Verse 13, for those who serve well. He's talking about the deacons here. But not only deacons, but I think you, can, you, can, you could make it broad enough to encompass most people who serve the church. Verse 13, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves. So the number one, number one motive, encouragement for, for deacons to serve well, Paul gives, is deacons who serve well, deacons who serve faithfully, are, are, are in good standing. What does it mean to be in good standing? The word uh, standing here means it means like it means to be it means to be stepped up on a podium. You know, think about the Olympics, right? The metal people step up in the podium where people recognize their achievements. That's the idea. Paul is saying, for those people, those deacons who serve well, people, they will be people and God will recognize them for their service. It's the number one motive for continuous service despite, you know, difficulties. If you serve faithful, people will look up to you and God will honor you. That's what he's saying. It's true. Sometimes people criticize you. And not all criticism is bad, by the way. Right? If you can't take criticism, then you're a fear, you, you, fear people's, you fear man and not God. And so I'm not saying all criticism is bad. In fact, I invite criticism, right? But criticism oftentimes hurt. And for moment, people from moment to moment may criticize you. But over a long haul, if, you are, if you're serving faithfully, 
when people look at you, they will realize God has used you to support the church. If you are faith, if you faithfully serve long enough, you'll be one of those people that people remembered as someone that God used to make a difference in the church. Moment to moment, you'll be criticized, but in the longevity of things, if you serve faithfully, people will recognize you. That's what Paul is saying. Not only that, most importantly, deacons who serve well will be in good standing before God, which means God will recognize you. God will honor you. Look, it is plainly clear in the Bible, especially what has been saying of Jesus. Even though everyone who's saved will, be in, will, will enter the kingdom of God, just because everyone enters, everyone who's saved enters the kingdom of God, does not mean everyone will be treated equally in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not Fairfax County like junior soccer league, where literally everyone gets a trophy. My son got a trophy. I'm glad he's not here. I'm not, he's never going to listen to my sermon. My son, when he was six years old, I, I you know, tried to be a good parent. I registered him to soccer league, and my son would run after the ball. And he would just stop in front of the ball and not kick it. It was weird. He would run half to the ball and he would just stop. He got a trophy. I was there at the ceremony when people were giving him trophies. I have a picture of him getting the trophy. I love my son, but I don't think he deserves a trophy. So never, my son will never, never listen to the sermon, by the way. Heaven is not a place, the kingdom of God, though everyone say will enter, it's not a place where everyone will be treated equally. There will be different levels of honor in the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus says over and over and over again, right? The parable of the ten talents. Parable of the talents. One, one guy gives, you know, the owner gives 10 talents to the other guy, five talents to one guy, one talent to the other guy. As long as you're faithfully using the talents that God has given you, you'll be rewarded. Right? Um, Jesus says, don't lay up yourself treasures on earth. Store yourself treasures in heaven. He means there's a way that you live your life here that will store up treasures in heaven. You're tr- like, I think what he's saying is there's a bank account in heaven for you. And the credit will go up when you faithfully serve him here. There's a treasure that you're, that you're gathering for yourself, Jesus says, in the kingdom of God based on what you're doing here. Look, the Greek philosophers hated the body. They thought the body was a prison cell, right? It's, it's a prison where our souls are trapped. Therefore, death is a release from this physical body and our souls will be free. That's what how the Greek thought. Yoga's like, you know why you do yoga, by the way? 
Yoga, they say, isn't, you, 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 you know, it's not something that like suburban moms do, but yoga, the practice of yoga is making your body in pain so that your soul can be free. People think our body is like, what we do here doesn't matter. What really matters is the afterlife. But Jesus is saying is, no, what you do here clearly has a direct impact on the honor that you receive in the kingdom of God. So deacons, if you serve well, you will receive honor. You will receive for yourselves treasures of heaven. My mentor, my best friend in the whole wide world, or, I mean, can he be a best friend in the whole wide world if I haven't talked to him in like eight years? Why not? I'm a dude. Yeah. My roommate in the seminary, Father Pop, I, I told him this, I, to, I told you about him. Father Michael Fitzpatrick, he was, he's 20 years older than me. He was my roommate in seminary. Never married. He served at one of the poorest churches, poorest neighborhoods in Philadelphia for like, I think, 20 years. He served, and he primarily served like, like Nigerian immigrants in the church for, ten years, for, for decades. Last time I talked to him, I said, hey, Mike, what are you doing? You're, you're almost retired. What are you doing? He's saying, oh, I'm going to, uh, in my, for my retirement, I'm not going to Florida, God's waiting room. I'm going to even, the, uh, even a poorer church in Philadelphia. I go, why? He says, because all I want to do is here, well done, my good and faithful servant, when I meet God. He said, that's it. That's all I want to hear. All I want to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I live for. That's what he lives for. Even now, he's slugging it in the slums of Philadelphia because that's what he wants to hear. And God says, if you serve me faithfully, that's exactly what you're going to hear. This doesn't mean I am so sorry to burst your bubble, but this doesn't mean that every Christian will hear this. Do you understand? Not every Christian will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. In fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, Paul says, some of you, all of our work will be like, after, like in the kingdom of God, all the work that we've done will be put through a fire. And for some of you, Paul says, all your work will be burned up and you have nothing to show for your life. Paul says, you'll barely be saved, but there's nothing to show for it. Paul warns us about that. Not everyone will hear, good, well done, good and faithful servant. Those who faithfully serve him will. The measurement of our reward is faithfulness. How faithful, how true, how consistent are we are to serving other people for this, because God has called us to serve other people. The faithfulness of ear in and ear out faithfulness, faithful service 
is the currency of our reward. And deacons, Paul says, serve well. You will, God will honor you. So people, deacons who serve well, will gain a good standing for themselves before men and God. Number two, number two deacons who serve well will, great, will gain great confidence and faith that is in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Paul says, if you serve God well, you will have great confidence in your faith. What he means is this. If you serve God well in this world, you will have a more confident, solid understanding of Jesus Christ. God will become more real to you. You will experience the living God through service. Look, it's true that we are saved by the hearing of God's word and, we, and, and God makes us understand his word. We're saved by that. But the way that our faith matures after we're saved, is not by simply gaining more information. It is gained when we practice what we believe. What did Jesus say? Whoever wants to be my disciple, carry your cross, deny yourself, carry your cross, and follow me. Jesus says a disciple follows Christ. The disciple does not sit in their bus and just reads. A disciple follows Christ in the service of the world and in the service of the church. That is how God becomes real to you. Look, and the best example that I can give you, I think I can talk about her. It's not bad, and I think she know, I think you know what she went through. Olivia, Olivia Licka, let's talk about Olivia Licka. My, I almost said my favorite, because I'm not, all of you are my favorites, right? But man, Olivia. So, Olivia, two years ago, three years ago, a tsunami of just suffering just landed on her in, a, in, a, in short months. Her mom was riding a horse, and she fell off a horse. Helicopters came and ushered her mom to a, to a hospital. Now her mom is a paraplegic. She can't move. Her father-in-law, Phil's dad, got diagnosed with this rare disease. That's why they had to move to Richmond. Not only that, Olivia had a real hard pregnancy where she had to be in the, in the hospital for months because she shouldn't move. All of this happened within a year or within like a year. All these sufferings happened within a short, short window. And I called her when she was in the hospital because I was worried that she was going to be like 
angry at God. Wouldn't you be? But she says, I know God is controlling all this. What? I know this is all God's in control, that I'm not in control of God. When I was talking to her, I could feel this woman had a solid footing on who God was, who God is. How was Olivia be, how was Olivia able to have such a foundational faith? She wasn't raised a Christian. How in the world was Olivia be able to have this kind of faith? You know why? Ever since she came here, and ever since she was saved, she served. She served in small groups. She served in the women's meeting. Often that she was, she and the other sister were the only two women who were praying for the church. Her and her husband Phil invited other people to their homes and served them. Rarely missed the church for them. For three, four years, they've just been consistently coming and serving the church. I think her ability to endure that suffering. In that season of tremendous pain, it's based on this reality of God that she experienced as she was serving Him. It's very difficult for God to become a reality in our lives without serving Him. I know many people think God is on their side, that God loves them, and that's all true. It's all good. But for a lot of them, I notice the element of reality is missing in their lives. The everyday encountering God and letting God change them, that's missing. And what all these people have in common is they're just mere consumers of God. And not followers. Every small group leader that has ever led a small group here always tells me when they're leading small groups, God came more, God became more real. When they stopped leading small groups, God started to diminish. It's like that, Paul said. If you serve God faithfully, he will reveal himself to you. Your solid will be, your faith will become more solidified, cemented. I love that word, cemented. Hard as a rock. But if you're a mere consumer, it's always watered down, weak, impotent. Paul says, serve. Look, but the secret here is following God in the areas of your service is perfectly possible 
It's perfectly possible for you to serve and not follow him. Did you know that? It is perfectly possible for you to do the things in the church and not walk with God. It's perfectly, because people do that all the time. Because you think you're a good person by doing such a, such a thing, maybe because you think it's a Christian thing to do to serve the church, it's perfectly possible for people to serve the church without walking with God. Guys, if you do that, if you serve the church without walking with God, your service will oftentimes become a source of bitterness. I know of many bitter servants in the Korean church because they're not walking with God. But if you, if you prayerfully fellowship with him, and as he's leading you to certain people that you need to serve. By serving, I'm not saying become part of a church program, but I'm talking about service, serving the people. As you serve God, serve people in the church as you're being led by God, and as you're prayerfully being led by God, oh, I guarantee you, your faith will become cemented. That's what Paul's talking about here. Deacons serve faithfully. Because when you do, your faith, you have more confidence in God in your faith. That's the motive. Don't ever want to be deacons now? No? At the end of the day, guys, this life is really all about discovering the reality of God. That's what it is. It really is. Look, I was praying about this yesterday. I, I only have what? Assuming life expectancy is 75, I only have maybe 20 good years left in me. Or 10 good years and then 20 years of sick, 10 more years of sickness. I don't know. What am I going to do for the next 20 years? Amass more wealth for myself? Eat more delicious food for myself? Going to more, like, destination vacation for myself? No. You discover God by serving him. Oh, and this is what I also want to mention. I'm really impressed with my memory. One of, the, one of the hindrances of our service is we use our families, right? I'm, I'm sorry, you're not using your family. But we, we, we say family, we, we, we think of all the little time that we have. We should spend all the time that we have for our family, right? Because, you know, God has called us to shepherd our families, and that's all true. That's all true. But I'm here to tell you, what your family needs more than your time is your spiritual maturity. I'll say it again. What your family needs more than your time is your spiritual maturity, men.
it's, there's a certain truth that the more, more time you spend with your children and your wife, yeah, you can have a good, good impact. But the type of people that your wife, your family needs you to be, men, does not automatically come because you spend more time with them. Your time matters, becomes significant as you are growing in maturity in the Lord. A man who's growing in the maturity in the Lord, that's the man that God uses to lead his family effectively. There's a difference between idolizing your family and leading your family. Idolizing your family, you're pouring everything onto your family, thinking if you're just pouring everything onto your family, somehow your family will flourish. That's not true. It is your spiritual maturity and the understanding of God that makes your family flourish. Your children will go through things that you have no answers for. Right now, your children are young. They just kind of believe whatever whatever you tell them. But there's a day coming when your children will not listen to you. And the only way you can give them godly advice is if you know God. And the way you know God is by serving Him. You understand? Paul says, deacons serve well. Because if you do, you have confidence in your faith. And the third reason why we serve the church. And and you know, I'll end quickly because I'm gonna because by God's grace, we're, we're landing in the portion of scripture where it's meditating upon the work of Christ. We'll get to this in two weeks. But I'll briefly, but for our purposes today, Paul says the reason why people should conduct themselves properly in the church, and the reason why people should serve the church, is because in the eyes of God, the church is of infinite value. Look, all of us have a certain way we look at church. Right? I don't know. Maybe this church is where you get your religion on. I don't know. The church is where you get God's truth. All, all that is fine. But I think your view, your judgment of what the church is, it doesn't really matter compared to how God views the church. God views the church as an, as an infinite value. Paul says, be, he wrote this letter so that everyone can behave properly in the church. Why? Because, verse 15, the church is a church of the living God. Once again, church is not a building. Church are people. And Paul is saying it is within these people that the living God dwells personally. You see this theme over and over again in, in, in the Bible. God personally dwelling with his people. Look, like I said last week, God is a sentient being. He has thoughts. He has feelings. He has an agenda. He's separate from us. He is a being with a personhood. And that personhood of God exists in a private personal space with his people. That's why, for example, when the Israelites were wandering in the desert for 40 years, 
God dwelled with that. God had made them construct a tabernacle, which is a tent. And he dwelled with his people in the tabernacle. When the Israelites were wandering in the desert, God dwelled with his people in the tabernacle. He traveled with them in the desert. When Solomon built the temple of God, God dwelt with the nation of Israel in that temple. Paul says, you, we, are the living temples of God where the Spirit of God dwells. Whatever your feelings about embrace is, it may be legitimate, it may not be legitimate, but that doesn't matter because in the eyes of God, this is a group of people where he, that he exists and that he, that he dwells. Therefore, we should regard this church as of infinite value because the living God is here. When you serve the living God in this place, will he not reveal himself to you? Will he not? Second, Paul says the church is of infinite value. Because the church is a, tre- is a, is a, is a, is a is, are people who hold the treasures of Christ. Verse 15, once again, Paul says the church is the church of the living God. A pill- the church is a pillar and buttress of the truth. The word buttress means foundation, right? Foundation, I didn't know this. Foundation of a building is the basic part of the building that meets the soil. Right, John? Yeah, man. I can be an architect. So the foundation of the church is the truth of the gospel. And the pillars that support the structure of the church is the truth of God's word. In this world, there is no other group of people that possesses the full truth of the gospel than the church. That's why, in the eyes of God, a church is of infinite value. It is. We're not the Catholic church. We're not a cult, right? We're not saying, you know, whatever the church says goes. We're not, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, know this, in the eyes of God, embrace ministries, because we are his church, is a group of people of infinite value. Is a gift to is God's gift to your life. It is an area in which God will reveal Himself to you. Hold this church valuable, Paul says. That's why you behave properly in the church. That's why you serve the church. Because it is of infinite value in the eyes of God. Is serving the church worth the hassle? Worth the inconvenience? Worth the drive? Yes. Yes. Is a church worth being criticized for within the body? Yes. Absolutely is it. Love the church. Serve the church. 
so that God will become more real to you. Let's pray. So let's just take a brief time to pray for ourselves here in the light of what was taught. There are many things that I shared, and let's meditate upon the things that God has revealed to your heart. One of the things that I shared was, um, is a life that if we serve him, if we serve him well, faithfully, 